0: and produced by the Dougie Center for Grieving Children and Families in Portland, Oregon. The list of things that get infinitely more difficult to do when you're grieving is long. Eating, sleeping, focusing, surface-level chit-chat, remembering where you left your phone, and planning for the future or forgiving yourself for the past. Throw work or school into that mix and it gets really tough to feel like you can show up and function at the same level that you used to be able to. For some people, work and school offer a respite, places with predictable routines, and an invitation maybe to focus on something besides the loss that's raging in their hearts and minds. For others, though, work and school can become treacherous, places where they have to shove their grief aside and try to act like everything is okay, even when everything is very, very not Okay. When her mother died suddenly in the fall of 2016, Elisa Forneray was already a successful writer, editor, and world traveler. After her mom's death, Elisa turned to creating and curating content that was all about grief as a way to make sense of her own loss. She writes for a number of publications and websites, including Modern Loss and Vancouver Magazine. She also created the Dead Moms Club Lapel Pins as a way to express grief more publicly and connect with others who are grieving their mothers. When Elisa went back to work after her mom died, she found the opposite of what she needed in terms of support. That experience inspired her to explore ways that companies and organizations can better support their grieving employees, as well as small things that each of us can do to attend to our grief while we're in the workplace. Elisa, thank you so much for being on Grief Out Loud today. Thank you for having me. You were just 27 when your mom died. And for a lot of folks, that's kind of the age where we're starting to get to know our parents adult to adult. What was your mom like? And what did you learn about her about how to be in this world?
1: Yeah, so my mom was an incredibly compassionate, creative, empathetic woman. I, I think when you ask, what did I take from her and learn from her about how to be in the world, it was to really appreciate um, creativity and the creativity that she saw in everyone and to sort of foster it myself and and explore that creativity and not hold back. So um, I know when when we were younger, my sister and I, it was kind of like, You want to paint? Cool, paint. You want to ride horses? Cool. You want to play 12 different instruments in the band over the course of a couple of years? Like, great, try them all out. We'll make it happen. And she was just one of those people that was always really encouraging of individuality and creativity and just sort of finding um, however you could to express yourself. And I think one of the things that we talked a lot about at her funeral is, um, the fact that my mom would talk to anyone anywhere and it's something that i see in myself something that my fiance sees in me if we are at the grocery store restaurant bar walking down the street on the bus like i will i will talk to anyone and that is because my mom was so open to just Talking to people and getting to know them. And there were people when at her funeral and we asked, Oh yeah, you know, how'd you meet Deborah? Like I met her in line at the grocery store. <laughs> <laughs> or I met her at the hospital while we were both waiting for an appointment. That that's what I remember about my mom.
0: <laughs> and speaking of that creativity and her support of your creativity, you were already a writer. Before your mom died, but after her death, you really started to move into this world of writing about your grief. And I'm curious, how has it been for you to be so public about your experience?
1: It's been really healing in a lot of ways, um, because the only way that I could have a lot of the experiences, which I do, um, of people coming up to me and talking to me and saying, oh, I found um, some peace from hearing that someone else was going through what I was going through. Or, oh, it was so exciting um, to read your writing and connect with experiences that you're having that nobody else will talk to me about. So it's been really great in that way um, because I also get those experiences where I put things out there and I talk openly about the things that are hard and the things that are confusing and the things that are awesome um, about grieving, which is like, You know, possible. Those things are out there and they happen and they've happened to me over the last couple of years. And then there are things that are really hard. And the opportunity to be vocal and to write opened up a lot of doors and opportunities for me um, to grow myself and to go through this um, grieving period with a lot more support than I could have had I not been so open about it.
0: So even in your writing about your grief, you're still able to, like, you're reaching out and making those connections with people.
1: Oh, 100%.
0: You mentioned that you write about the things that are hard, the things that maybe have left you feeling isolated, and also that there have been some amazing aspects. Can you give an example of one of those? Yeah. One of the best
1: parts of doing this work and also just dealing with grief has been connecting with my dad. I had a relationship with my dad that I can't imagine, you know, especially looking back now, what it would have been like to deal with me as a teenager. <laughs> um, I've heard stories; it's all a blur to me. But um, we've we've had our ups and downs. Um, but since losing my mom, and this is something that I'm still trying to find the words to make it sound less morbid. Or if my mom hadn't died, my dad and I would not have the relationship that we have right now. You know, my dad and I in October, took a trip for a couple days to New York City, just the two of us, and spent the whole weekend at a death conference talking about his funeral and end of life. And like, th- that kind of stuff would not have happened and was so healing and special for me. I I really want to appreciate and recognize that being open about this and sort of navigating this, this period. And this experience with him has just been tremendous for me.
0: Yeah. That there's a way to appreciate the possibilities that grief has opened up. And in no way does that take away from the missing or the grieving of your mom, that those two things can exist at the same time.
1: Yeah. And that they can be side by side. And part of building the relationship with my dad involves grieving my mom together and talking about my mom together.
0: I've been thinking about how so much of how we experience our grief and how we feel like we can or can't express that grief is tied to our identity. And that might be our race or our culture, our gender, our sexual orientation, where we grew up, our family's spiritual and religious traditions or no spiritual or religious traditions, like all of those things go into who we are and how we make our way through this. I'm curious for you, how has identity been a part of your grief?
1: I think the way, and I've been thinking about this, the the way that it's impacted me as far as my identity is concerned is uh, pro- probably from two parts of who I am and, and the makeup of who I am and how I'm presenting in the world, my, my space in the world, and that's as a woman, um, and that's as a person of color. When I think about being a woman, experiencing grief in just the the couple of years that I've been dealing with um, the death of my mom, coupling that with getting off the couch from where I was freelancing and able to like be in my pajamas and cry um, whenever I needed to and take time whenever I needed to moving into a nine to five and existing in an office space. It really put me in some positions to think about why there's pressure on women to cry or not cry at work and, and why that layering of I go into the workplace and some days I just feel like garbage. And that is just part of grief and grieving, but there's pressure as a female to be strong in the workplace as it is grief aside And then to also have to couple that with the fact that sometimes I truly cannot control my emotions um, has been really hard. The other way that my identity just as a a person of color and a woman of color, just moving through the world, the way that grief has impacted that (laughs) is sort of thinking about all of the things that are layered beneath the surface before my mom died. And then to also have the death and the grief and the grieving and the processing um, and going back into the workplace and building a relationship with my dad and dealing with funerals and all of the stuff sort of piling on top of what is already existing underneath the surface as trauma that's been inflicted on any person of color walking this planet. Um, To think about the amount of Stress and emotional burden that comes with grief on top of all of that can really amplify a lot of exhaustion that was already there. Um, it has brought up a lot of thoughts and conversations and feelings about how much more I feel like I'm, I'm carrying so much of the time. Both of those things can come together and impact the way that I'm grieving and thinking about what I'm carrying as not only a person of color, but also a woman of color it's just, it's complicated.
0: (laughs) It's it's totally complicated and hard and impossible and, and probably not very useful in a way to try to like pull apart those identities. And the idea that you're already walking into the experience of your mom dying, carrying that, as you mentioned, that trauma of racism and sexism, and then layering on the grief of your mom and how does that amplify all of those things and as you mentioned, just lead to complete exhaustion. Yeah,
1: and then they're still there. <laughs> That's the thing. It's like
0: I've been talking to
1: people about this, and it's one of those things where it's like, oh, it feels good for a little while to acknowledge it, but then it's still there. <laughs> you know, um, I'm still grieving. I'm still a woman. I'm still a person of color, and I'm still going to work every day and trying to to figure out, like you said, not necessarily pulling it apart. But being aware of it um, and acknowledging it has been really, really huge for me in not necessarily fighting or finding solutions for the exhaustion, but honestly, being able to give myself a damn break sometimes, (laughs) um, especially when I think about the impact Stress and racism and sexism and all of those things that I'm experiences, experiencing um, have on my like mental capacity, my emotional well-being, my physical well-being. I think it's been really good for me to to give myself a break and to be aware of all of it.
0: As you were talking about earlier with work, that's really one of the main topics that you focus on in your writing uh, and about how organizations and companies can handle grief in a way that's really helpful for employees and also the opposite. What was your experience with that?
1: When my mom died, I was in the middle of working <laughs> I was in the middle of working on a print project. I was printing a broadsheet with a friend of mine and it was about death and that was like a weird coincidence and pretty good and unfortunate at the same time it was very surreal but i was like freelancing i wasn't in an office i was working on this weird project then my mom died and i was on my way moving to scotland and so i was out of the office setting for a while and when i took my first 9 to 5 full time job and i was i was working at a marketing agency, which is not the best place for someone who's trying to manage their stress levels or like work a normal <laughs> nine to five. Um, I get that now. But I I um I went into this environment and started experiencing a lot of um issues with the way that I was trying to manage my own Grief and stress, and the expression of those emotions um, in the workplace. And I, I found myself by the end of that job in a place where I had been hurt in a lot of ways that were really eye opening to me, but made me learn a lot about taking care of myself. And I also learned that I wasn't the only one navigating this stuff and having a really hard time with it. And I think one of the first experiences that I had at this job that sort of kicked everything off before I ended up leaving was I was in the office one day and and somebody that I worked with brought up Mother's Day. You know, I, I have things set me off, like a dog can walk down the street and make me cry. And people can tell me like, three hour stories about their moms. And I'm just smiling a super stoked for them the whole time. Like it's not just the mom related things that trigger me. And, and somebody had brought up mother's day and they were like, Oh, what date is mother's day? We're running a campaign because it's a marketing agency. And I was like, Oh, you know, may whatever. And they're like, Oh, that's really like crazy. Why do you just know that off the top of your head? And I decided, okay, I'm going to get up. This person doesn't know me. They don't know that my mom is dead. We have a professional relationship. So I'm, you know, I'm just gonna remove myself, go sit on the couch in our office for a little bit. Decided that I needed to leave and go work from somewhere for the day and ended up having an encounter with the leadership on my team. It sort of spiraled into a really painful, disrespectful engagement about me sort of creating this tsunami environment in the office and. We need to be able, you know, we needed to be able to run campaigns about Mother's Day because we're a marketing agency and people shouldn't have to walk on eggshells around me. Everybody has problems and I shouldn't be allowed to just run off in the middle of the day just because my mom's dead and blah, 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 blah. Like it just was, I've been uh, processing that for like a year (laughs) since I left. It feels like Um, they had a lot of learning to do and are hopefully continuing to do so. I had a lot of learning to do about putting up boundaries, keeping myself safe, and then also knowing when to stop. Because I got myself in a situation where I was moving up the chain, a person in leadership after another person in leadership after another person in leadership, having to have the same conversations, being asked the same questions. Well, is your therapy working? Do you feel like you're getting better? Are you getting over this? And it broke me to the point where... I had to put in my notice and I had to leave and I took months off of work and had exhausted my, myself and my capacity to try and explain to people who weren't listening <laughs> at the end of the day that I can't explain to you anymore that my therapy doesn't need to be working and this is not a problem solution situation um, and I just needed to stop.
0: From your that personal experience, which was extremely painful, and then moving into a place of hoping to educate others, what would you say are your top two recommendations for employers and organizations who are trying to create a culture and an environment that's actually responsive and supportive of people who are grieving? I can
1: say two things that I would recommend, but I, I would preface by saying every organization is going to be different every person who's grieving and the experience and the support that they need is going to be different. Um, But two of the things that I think people and employers could consider um, is one, bringing in third parties. So many of us are ill-equipped to have these conversations and to support adequately in these situations. My employer told me, I'll just get psychology for dummies and lay down on the couch and we can have a conversation. I'll be your support system. And that, (laughs) (laughs) Uh, but that comes from a lack of understanding that this needs to be taking one a lot more seriously, but two handled by people who are professionals to support people like me or support people who are grieving and navigating these workplaces. And those professionals are out there and those third parties are equipped to identify ways to keep Everyone safe, which is one, to keep the employers and their like well-being and their business and their goals and all of that, but then also to help the employees have these conversations and express their needs and sometimes even just figure out what their needs are with somebody who has some actual experience. So it is okay that I don't know how to do this, and it is also okay that my employer doesn't know how to do this if they're willing to find someone to help. Um, And I think number two is like boundaries. Whenever I talk about this stuff, I'm like, I don't know if I'm the person to like talk about boundaries because I like splash all of my grief and my emotions all over the internet and like get up on stage and talk to people about this stuff and interview people about it and go on podcasts like this and talk about like grief and death and dying and emotions and all of that. But I think really learning from what I've experienced in in positive and negative work environments, the employer needs to think in a lot of cases about putting up boundaries for themselves and putting up boundaries with the employee. Now I'm in another workplace, which is like a total 180 from that as far as grief goes. Um, And it's just been incredible saying, we're putting up boundaries in the sense that you need to know that they're there and that you could take advantage of them and that when you need to leave, you need to leave and you should leave and take a walk or take your day or take your time. And we're not equipped necessarily to handle all of this all the time, but we can recognize that there's support that you need. And if you're going to find it yourself, like we give you the room to do that. And like the last thing that I think is super important is listening and listening without trying to solve things and not trying to deal with grieving and bereavement and the policies that are built in all of that as like, you get this much time and then it's going to (laughs) end. Then we're going to be okay. And you're going to come back to work and everything's going to be fine. And we don't have to deal with it anymore. Um, But really listening to an employee about what they need um, and about what they're going through without just trying to jump to a solution or a conclusion can be really, really helpful.
0: And that seems to tie back to, to what you mentioned earlier of remembering that every employer and every organization is unique and that everyone grieves in their own unique way. And that listening is our best opportunity to find out what do people need? What does an organization need? And what are the parameters that are going to help everyone feel attended to and safe and connected? Yeah,
1: Because I can say by the time I was like in my break after that job, All I needed was to be home and to not go to work. But I can tell you that when I went back to work and took that job, what I needed at that time was to be in an office and to see other human beings and to navigate all of this stuff going on outside while having like a stable job and some normalcy in my life. And that shift took place over the course of a very short period of time And the reason that I'm able to like go back into an office and start doing this again is because I'm with people who are flexible and who can listen and have the conversations about the flexibility that's needed on an individual basis for someone who is grieving.
0: You mentioned earlier some of the things that you do or have permission to do in your workplace of, you know, take the day or take a walk. What are some other concrete things people who are grieving and at work, maybe who have a supportive environment or a not so supportive environment, what are some specific things they can do for themselves?
1: Yeah. So a couple of things I know I do that really help me and that I would recommend like based on who you are and what your workplace is like. Mm -hmm. Um, I have in my calendar in red, 2 p.m. every day, I go for a walk and it's in there and everyone can see it. And I think that putting that out into the world holds me accountable and holds them accountable for not booking over it. And I always have that half an hour where if I choose to go for a walk, I can walk around the block and I can do whatever I want. Um, But booking that in has been really important. I also think talking, and I, I know it's not always that easy, but if you have a person, if you can find them in your office can be really important. I don't need someone to come up to me and say, you look so sad today. Like, why are you on the verge of tears? Do you need to go for a walk? But I've had my people in the office who can come up and say, you look like you need a coffee. And I know that that means, and they know that that means, yo, you look like you're about to break. You don't need to be here right now. Let's go for a walk. We don't even need to talk. And all they needed to say, because they know me and they know my situation. And I know that they're there to support me is let's go have a coffee. Um, I think also I like put together and they're on my site care packages for people who are going back to work. The care package specifically for that includes things like prepaid cards or cash um, so that when you do go take that walk, you don't have to think twice about having like a $5 bill in your wallet or in your desk somewhere so that you can get that coffee even if you're strapped because like it can be really important to just have the freedom to take that time and go outside and not think about anything other than the fact that like you need to go get some fresh air and and think about your dead mom and the fact that she's gone. Um, Also snacks. Like I keep so many snacks at my desk Um, because grieving does so many things to our physical body, including a lot of harm to our digestion and it can change a lot of things going on um, with our energy levels. And so having something In your desk that'll give you a little bit of energy or will wake you up. Or the other thing that comes along with eating and grief is just forgetting and forgetting to eat. Um, Having something in your desk that is just available so that you can get through that morning where you cried all the way till you got to work, you go up in the elevator, you collect yourself, it's lunch, and you forgot to even pack anything. Having something there can be really special um, just to take care of yourself. And then the last thing is. The things in your desk that you need or that you need in your purse, and as a woman, I know that I've started carrying around with me everywhere, wipes for my face, tissues, and extra makeup, because I'm going to cry at work. I'm going to cry on the bus. I'm going to cry at the grocery store. These things are going to happen. I go in the bathroom and I do it so I don't make people uncomfortable. I step outside so I do it um, and don't make people uncomfortable. I do it sometimes at my desk and it happens and it makes people uncomfortable either way. But there's always something on me that will allow me to like have that space for myself and go in the bathroom and cry and then like brush my teeth, put my lipstick back on, put some makeup on and walk out the door and say like, cool, if this happens again, I'm prepped. And if not, I can just get through the rest of my day there's still days where I wake up and I'm like, I'm not even going to put on makeup today. It's going to be a shit show. <laughs> like it's not even worth it. I'm just going to go barefaced and it is what it is. Um, I know it's coming and I'm too exhausted. But yeah, I think that having, having those things that are going to make you feel like it's okay to just let go can be just so helpful. And, and for me have given me a little bit of peace of mind.
0: Well, Elise, I so appreciate not only all of the tips and suggestions and insights into your own experience that you shared on our show today, but all of the amazing information that's available on your website.
1: Yeah, this was fun. Thank you so much. I really appreciate the opportunity to to talk about this stuff because it's really important. And I think opening up about what's been hard for me and also what's been great for me is just always, always incredible.
0: And listeners, I'm going to put all the ways that you can find Elisa's work in the show notes. So please go check out her website and her blog. She's got great articles, ways to be like, oh, I'm not the only one that feels this. And also, she even has recipes for various morning concoctions, M-O-U-R-N-I-N-G. Alisa, thanks again. I really appreciate your time today. Thank you. And listeners, if you're new to our show, you can find us in all the places, our website, D-O-U-G-Y dot Stitcher, iTunes, any of the ways that you get your podcasts. And if you are someone out there who knows of someone who'd be a great guest or a resource you want to share with us, please reach out help at Dougie.org. Thanks for listening. Hope you'll join us again next time.